This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome and greetings programs to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So Derek, how was your week? Uh, It's been a very interesting one. I mentioned last week, um, no baseball. The team's been on the road and will be until Wednesday or Thursday. But I ended up getting sick Monday night. So I I had to miss work Tuesday and Wednesday. I had taken Thursday and Friday off anyway, just to have, you know, just to have a break, yeah. but I wasn't really better until Friday. Oof. So I spent three days pretty much in bed, but it that did sucks. give me a chance to, uh, <laughs> I binge Luke Cage finally. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't bad. Um, not as good as daredevil, but it's kind of daredevil's kind of in a league by itself in my opinion. Yeah. Um, had our housewarming party on Saturday. We had a, a good turnout, had some friends over, uh, just ate, socialized for a few hours. And then uh, today I've done absolutely nothing because it's been the first day I've had in over a week to just not do anything. Hmm. That's always nice when you get a day when you don't have to do anything. But then, of course, on those days, I always feel like I need to be doing something. Oh, I, I'm I'm kind of feeling that way now. Because I, whenever we're done with this podcast, there's a few things I got to do before tomorrow. But it's it's been good to just kind of relax and decompress. Yeah. Uh, it's been kind of a stressful weekend for me because my truck died. Uh, I say truck; it's a Nissan Xterra. I've owned it for 12 years, and it's finally uh, decided to give up on me. So I've got to go tomorrow and get a new car, and that ought to be fun. So I'm gonna miss half a day of work which kind of sucks, but oh well, got to do what you got to do. Life likes to happen sometimes. Yes, it does. Welcome to adulthood, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Well, if we're ready to go into the news. Coming to us from CNET.com, Retro Gaming War Heats Up. Nintendo's upcoming Super NES Classic has some competition for your retro gaming dollars. While that mini console is sure to be a hot holiday item and in short supply like last year's NES Classic was, it may be easier to find similar systems packed with Atari and Sega games. The Atari Flashback 8 Gold and Sega Genesis Flashback, both from At Games, which licenses old games and packages them in retro-style set-top boxes, We'll start selling both of these new systems on September 22nd for $80 in the U.S. Both support upscaled 720p resolution, and the NES the Super NES Classic goes on sale September 29th, also for $80. The Atari version includes 120 classics like Pitfall and Space Invaders, while the Genesis box has 85 games including uh, Sonic and Fantasy Star series, as well as a cartridge port that will play most Genesis cartridges. Uh, this is very interesting, and I, I kind of like the ballsiness of the timing. 
Yeah, but at the same time, I've actually heard some uh, some uh, reviews of the 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 Sega Genesis flashback from, and both of these consoles are from At Games. I hear mm-hmm. bad things about At Games. As far as the Genesis console, everybody was touting this as kind of like the uh, oh, is this the uh, the SNES classic killer? No, it's not because because everybody would say it, it actually has a cartridge slot on it, but uh the most of the games that are on it um are really bad um what's the word i'm looking for they're they're <clears throat> i can't think tonight i'm sorry i am so stressed out today <laughs> i'm sorry oh, it's all good um are emulated god i couldn't think of the word emulation they're emulated really horribly and uh the and from what i hear the controllers are awful like they're they're not even bluetooth i think they're infrared or something like that and they don't work Ugh. half the time uh and the the uh the actual um the home screen to the select screen for all the games and stuff is really i've heard is uh just really clunky and not um not very user friendly that's unfortunate because it would be great for them to capitalize on the timing with the Super NES, but when it comes down to it, you got to have quality. Yeah. And if that's the case, then it sounds like they don't. Um, I mean, my thing with the Genesis, I wasn't going to get that one anyway because I really only played the Genesis back in the day for Sonic. Mm-hmm. Any other game that I wanted was already going to be on the SNES, yeah. so I just I just got it for the Super Nintendo. The Atari kind of intrigues me a little bit just because I've never owned an Atari or really played one. So that one I might end up picking up, but you know my my money's primarily going to go towards the Super NES Classic just because yeah. yeah, there's been debacle with it, but it's made by Nintendo. It's in the same packaging art from the mid 90s when it came out. We know the quality is going to be good. It's got a great lineup. So that's primarily what I'm going to go with. Yeah. And the thing about the Atari is I had an Atari 2600 back in the day. I still have it. It's not hooked up. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of more of a, um, I wouldn't say bragging rights. I mean, there, there's a very small percentage of retro gamers that are actually into the Atari because, look, there's like 5,000 Atari games, or, or I, I don't know how many there are, but there are thousands of Atari games, and there's like maybe eight that are any good and will are worth playing. The rest of them are just, uh, <clears throat> they're just really hard to play to get into or play or you know it's just really simple graphics and gameplay and it's just it's not going to hold your attention so i mean if you're interested in getting an atari i would say just go find an old atari 2600 console i i pretty much see them every time i go to the flea market or a thrift store you can get one for really cheap and then you can go to any retro store and the games are like a dollar so you're going to come out ahead. Just go getting a an old working Atari 2600 um, and going and buying the games separately. I will keep that in mind. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about it. I, I played Atari when I was a kid, but man, I would not go back and, and play that in my off time. Just, you know, 
to be like, I want to play some Atari. Like that is not going to come out of my mouth at all. Yeah. No, it's understandable. Uh, for our second story coming up uh, from RetroGamer.net, Night Trap, 25 years later documentary now available. In preparation for the forthcoming release of Night Trap 25th anniversary, YouTube gaming channel My Life and Gaming has released a documentary on the groundbreaking FMV game. This 49-minute video is a comprehensive look at the game from its earliest origins as a project for the canceled VHS-based Hasbro Control Vision console. The CD-ROM releases and the content controversy over violence that followed, the failed Kickstarter campaign, and the new edition of the gaming releasing soon. Uh, you can see it. Uh, there's actually a, a trailer for it here on the article you can go to. Just go to RetroGamer.net. And uh, this looks like it, I might take a look at this this week when I find a, an extra hour somewhere because this looks, um, you know, this might be cool to watch. Yeah, same here. I, I love when... YouTube channels like that will do documentaries like this. And the fact that you can just, they're really easy to access and you can watch it at your own leisure, yeah. I think is really cool. So yeah, I, I'll try and check this out this week as well. Yeah. Cause um, we talked about this not too long ago, uh, mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago about the new release of night trap. I'd love to get it, but I just, I hope they updated it <laughs> a little bit because man, <laughs> that stuff, like it looked good back in the day. Because we had never had, we just didn't have, you know, it was new. And we were like, holy mm -hmm. cow, we're watching real video. But man, it does not hold up at all. So I hope they update it for 2017 somewhat. Hopefully so. But yeah, we should both watch this documentary and maybe give like a quick review of it next week. Yeah, we could do that. Sounds good to me. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In August 23rd of 1983, Origin Systems publishes Ultima 3 Exodus, one of the first role-playing video games to use tactical, turn-based combat. It is released for the Apple II, Atari 800, Commodore 64, and IBM PC. <clears throat> so that's crazy. Like, when I think of Ultima, because we talked about this not too long ago, because, like, didn't, like, Ultima 6 or 7 come out in 1990? And I was like, Something Man. like that. And this game, uh, this is still going on today. Like, there are still servers online for Ultima. It, it's one of the longest-running uh, video game, uh, you know, what these uh, whole list of Ultima games are still being played by these people. It's crazy. Yeah, the latest game was called Ultima Forever, and it was released in 2013. Wow. So, series is still going on. That is insane. I know. It's crazy. I wonder if Warcraft is going to be like that. In, I hope you know, so. In 25, 30 years, if, if there's still going to be World of Warcraft servers running. See, Ultima 1 was released in 1981. So, wow. 2013, that would be... 33 years. Wow. God, that, Still going. that's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> Almost as long as I've been alive. That's insane. Props to them. Yeah. Props to them for that that series still going on. Somebody's made some money off of that. Ah, I wish it was me. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> In August of 1984, Namco releases Pac-Land and lays the foundations for horizontally scrolling platform games. 
I feel like I have some type of memory of Pac-Land. I think I played this, but I don't remember. Let me see if there's a screenshot of this somewhere. Nope, of course not a screenshot. Huh. Yeah, the title sounds very familiar. Let yeah. me let me look up some screen caps real quick. Okay, yeah, I never played this game, but I do remember it. Yeah, I'll have to look up the screen caps in a big. I think I did play this because um, to this day, you know, I'm a sucker for Miss Pac-Man. Every time mm-hmm. I see a Miss Pac-Man machine, I have to play it. It's almost uh, OCD kind of obsession thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, and plus, I don't know if you remember back when I was a kid, Pac-Man was sort of like the uh, the Mario of the early '80s. Like I used to remember like the the Pac-Man cartoons. I used to get the uh, the Pac-Man storybooks for Christmas. Like you remember the storybooks you get with the the book and the little tape or or a record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to get the all that Pac-Man stuff when I was a kid. Did you have Pac-Man fever? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit I'm a sucker for that song. I had a Pac-Man board game too. Do you remember a Pac-Man board game? I don't remember the board game. I vaguely remember the cartoons. I remember watching the Christmas special hmm. that they oh. did. I think it was a Pac-Man holiday special. I think I remember that. That just yeah. I remember watching memory. that when I was really really young. I wish I still had the board game. I remember looking for it not too long ago because uh, I figured it would probably be worth something now. It like had this big plastic Pac-Man, and you went around the board eating uh, little white uh, marbles on the, the, the board. Cause it was set up like a Pac-Man screen, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember what the, you know, the rules of the game were, but I just, I just remember that. Actually I had a Donkey Kong game too. And a Donkey, Donkey Kong board game. Yeah. There was like a little Mario and there was a Donkey Kong who had like the swiveling arm he was like, he was an actual, like you put it, he was like this big plastic piece that you put hooked to the board. Um, and he had this arm that would go up and down and it had, um, had like a little rubber band in it and his arm would go up and down and you would load him up with, uh, barrels, plastic barrels, and you would move the barrels down the, the, the board. It was almost like playing like Candyland or something like that. Yeah, looking at screen caps of it, 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 I've never seen this before, but it yeah. looks really cool. I had both of those. I wish I knew what I did with those. Those would be worth some some money these days, I would imagine. Oh, I'm sure. But on uh, August of 1990, Pit Fighter from Atari Games introduces digitized sprites to arcade fighting games. Did you ever play Pit Fighter in the arcade? I did not. I used to play it in the arcade all the time, and then it came out on Super Nintendo. And I remember renting it one weekend, and it is not as good as the arcade version. <laughs> it was actually really, really crappy, uh, a crappy port of the game. But the actual uh, uh, um, arcade unit was really fun. It was kind of a precursor of Mortal Kombat. I feel like a lot of those games are just better in the arcade than they are on console. Oh, yeah. Especially like the, with those type of... Uh, you know, those character animations where they used like real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just looked so much better in the arcade. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
On August 23, 1991, Nintendo releases Super Mario World and F-Zero along with the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in North America. Super Mario World was the original pack-in game for the SNES and one of the most sold games for that system. The game also introduces the Yoshi character to the Mario series. I mean, we've we've praised Mario World a lot. I mean, there's really not too much more you can say about that game. It's one of the greatest Mario games and one of the greatest video games of all time. The graphics mm-hmm. still hold up. Great soundtrack. Um, what, what else can you say about it? Uh... If it's one of the games, it's one of the top, probably top 50 games you must play before you die. Yes. You have to. If you're a gamer and you call yourself a gamer, you have to play Super Mario World. Yes, I would agree with that. And speaking of F-Zero, I actually think uh, I might um, review that on my next review show in two weeks. Nice. Because yeah, uh, F- F-Zero is fun. I've been in a real Super Nintendo mood lately, so I've been playing a lot of Super Nintendo stuff. Oh, and uh, actually, uh, I forgot to, to, to say at the beginning of the show, if anybody is on our Instagram page, uh, I posted a picture of um, the, so my flea market finds yesterday, and I picked up um, Kung Fu Heroes for the nin- uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, and I picked up uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron for Nintendo 64. $5 a piece, and I think that's a steal for both of those games. Oh, absolutely. I haven't seen Rogue Squadron like at any store in a while. And I think so- the reason I got it for so cheap is I had to do a lot of cleanup on that game. Like It was in such bad shape, I didn't think I'd be able to clean it enough, but I figured five. I could... I could spare $5 to see if I could get it to work. Um, but I did a lot of cleanup on it. It took me a, a, over an hour to clean that game yesterday. Uh, even the inside of it was just, it was gnarly. Like somebody had just dropped it in a mud puddle or something. And I uh, cleaned it up really good. It looks brand new and it works like a charm. That's awesome. Fired up as soon as I put it in the in the N64. So I was happy and I about can't, that. I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but I also had some uh, some findings myself. Yes, I you got did. Uh, Earthworm Jim for Super Nintendo. So good. And it's a wacky game, but yes, I'm it liking is. it. Hard and, as hell, uh, <laughs> but it's fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And then uh, GoldenEye for Nintendo 64, one, which is one of the best games for that console. Oh, one of the best games ever made, period. If it, if it wasn't for GoldenEye, we wouldn't have all the first-person shooters that we have now. No. No, I would agree with that. That game set the template. Oh, and yeah. you know how we talked last week about how the single analog stick was just bad? Just a bad design? hmm But for games like uh, the, the Star Wars Rogue Squadron, it actually works really well. For games like that, it worked really well. Like flying games, I would say mm-hmm. that, you know, the single analog stick, it, it works really well. But man, going back and trying to play games like uh, Resident Evil 2, whew, it's like trying to, I don't know. I, yeah, how do you, how would you describe it? It's like, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. It's like trying to drive a tank with, you know, both your hands tied <laughs> behind your back. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know what my review next week's going to be. It's either if I do an SNES game, it's going to be Earthworm Jim, but I might do. Uh, I might leave it up to the listeners to oh, decide again. I don't know. Let's make it an SNES month. All right. Yeah, I'll do Earthworm Jim next week. Cool. Sounds good to me. I'd love. I'd love to hear your take on it because it's been a long time since I played that game, and I'm actually I'm on the the hunt for it if I can find it anywhere. Yeah, so there we go. Next week, I'll review Earthworm Jim. But uh, but coming up in our mid-roll here, let's talk about books. So, Derek, what you been reading or listening to? So, for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, I've mentioned that I've been listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. I'm really starting to get into it. But the thing is, it's a lot of information oh, in a sure. very short amount of time. So I'm having to listen to things multiple times to, <laughs> you know, kind of grasp the concept of what he's talking about. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it's it's really good. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson does a really good job narrating it. And my next book is actually uh, written by a former Derek Diamond Experience guest, uh, an author named Drew Hayes. Um, he did. He's doing a book series called uh, Superpowers, and it's kind of based on how people deal with uh, superhero situations in the real world. Like, say, if you know they destroy a building, you know what? How does the public deal with that? Oh, that's cool. Like, so it's uh, it's been an actual long going series for him, and I'm looking forward to getting into it after. Um, after I'm finished with Mr. Tyson. So uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And this week we're going to be talking about Music is from the game Final Fight by Capcom, released in 1989 as an arcade game. It was the seventh title released for the CP system software. It was set in the fictional Metro City. Uh, the player controls one of three characters in the arcade version. Uh, and actually, I wanted to get into this. Former pro wrestler and new mayor of the city, Mike Hager, his daughter's boyfriend, Cody, and then in the arcade version, there's Cody's best friend, Guy, or Guy, if you're Canadian, as they set out to defeat the Mad Gear gang and rescue Hager's young daughter, Jessica. Um, and it's kind of weird that, like, I remember playing this in the arcade when I was a kid, and I love this game in the arcade. Uh, it's, it's just your basic side-scrolling beat-em-up. You know, there's really, there's no kind of, like, power-ups or anything like that. Like, you go through the game... Uh, you have your super moves that each player has, and each player kind of has their own skill set. Um, like in the in when it got ported to the the Super Nintendo, they took one of the players out. They took out Guy um, completely from the game, and then they made the game single player, which the game is a two player game in the arcade. Which I don't really understand why they did that. Um, I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal. It's just this game would have been so much more fun if I could have played it with another person because that's just the kind of 
you know, this is the kind of game that's built for that, that two player co-op, you know? Um, but the game began development as a sequel to the original Street Fighter released in 1987. But the genre was switched from a fighting game to a beat-em-up, and the title was changed following the success of Double Dragon. Final Fight was ported to various home consoles, such as the Super NES, and was followed by a few sequels. Its development team later worked on the original Street Fighter 2, and some of the characters from Final Fight later appeared as playable fighters in the other entries of the franchise, such as the Street Fighter Alpha sub-series. Which makes sense, because... the you can tell there's a lot of people who worked on this game probably worked on street fighter because the, the characters fit that universe and it is sort of a shared universe as well, which was kind of cool back in the day. Cause I think it was final fight two. Um, there was a screen that you can actually see Chun Li uh, eating at like a, a noodle stand in the background. So that kind of cool. gave hints that this is kind of a shared universe. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a disappointment when it was uh, ported to the SNES that it was not made into a two-player uh, experience because that's kind of what made it so good in the arcade. Um, but the... You know, the the each character... But they, they boiled it down to, to Cody and Hager for the game, the Super Nintendo version. And each character kind of has their own set of, of moves, and uh, they both kind of complement each other. Like, Cody is very fast, but um, not as strong as Hager. And Hager is more of a kind of a wrestler type. Like, Cody is more um, like a boxer, uh, karate kind of guy. And mm-hmm. Hager's more of a street fighter. Like he does a lot of stuff like uh bot like um uh pile drivers and things like that. And he's much bigger and slower, but he hits a lot harder than Cody does. Um so they really complement each other well. And that's another thing that kind of bugged me in the game. There's five I think there's five, no, six stages or rounds, as well as two bonus rounds. And each round takes place in a different section of Metro City. Um, You go through the slums, you start out in the slums and you work your way to the subway and then you work your way to kind of like a central park area and you just kind of go through each section of the game and each section of the game gets longer and longer, which, you know, this game is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I remember I got this game uh, at on in Christmas of 1991 uh, it was one of the first games I got for the Super Nintendo. And as often, I probably played this game as much as I've played Ninja Gaiden and still have never beaten this game. Uh, not for lack of trying, it's just really difficult. And there's also a, uh, a secret menu that you can get to. If you have this game at the, the, the start screen, click or hold the left bumper and hit the start button and it takes you to a secret menu where you can actually raise or lower the difficulty of the uh the game you can bump up your uh number of uh, of lives that you have and you can also uh, lower the amount of points that you need to get extra lives so you can really play with it um, if you get old like me and your reflexes aren't as good as they used to, you can make the game playable, but it's still, it's a pretty tough game. I'm not going to lie about that. Any, any questions so far? 
Well, it's funny because I was actually watching some gameplay of it earlier today to kind of prep for the podcast. And I actually was kind of intrigued by the actual story of the game because I felt like I would have been watching like a TNT original movie. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Like with the name Metro City and you know, a pro wrestler turning into a politician, even though that has happened in real life. Um, how would you compare this game to like the Ninja Gaidens and the Double Dragons? Like, would you say it's as good as those, better, or um, maybe a little bit lower in quality? Well, I'm definitely going to say I I enjoy it much better than playing Double Dragon on a console. Um, you know, I, I still like Double Dragon for the, the Nintendo Entertainment System, but if I have my choice of playing either that or this on the Super Nintendo, I'm going to pick this every time. Um, and I've actually seen a lot of videos and, and reviews of this game. I've watched a lot of videos this week of people talking about it. Um, one of the things that people really don't like about this game is the music. And I really don't understand that because the music is one of my favorite parts of this game. And I don't know if it's just because of nostalgia or um, I am a musician. I, I'm not quite sure, but the music fits the game really well. And I would agree with that. You can actually, when you go to that menu screen that I told you about, you can actually listen to the music, just the music of the game. And I enjoy it quite well. So I don't know really where that comes from. But it, and also, uh, I saw some videos this week about what people like better as far as this or Streets of Rage, because Streets of Rage, um, of course, was on the Sega Genesis and is basically a direct ripoff of Final Fight. There are even character designs that are almost exactly alike. And, you know, there was a lot of um, you know, discussion about, you know, which one's better. And and they both kind of have their pros and cons, but I and I and I, I I can't speak for Streets of Rage. I never played Streets of Rage, never have. I think it just boils down to your own personal nostalgia and personal preference. Yeah, yeah, and I I think you know I agree with you. The music fits. Is it the best soundtrack I've ever heard? Probably not. No, but if it fits with the game. And there's really no, there's nothing wrong with that. And I do agree with you, the whole deal with changing it from the arcade to the Super NES where it's not co-op was very interesting because just watching it, it looks like it would be a great co-op game. So I, I don't understand why they would do that. Yeah, because in the arcade, it's it's a really fun game to play. And I just don't understand why they changed that for uh to to port it and um i haven't really read the wikipedia article here uh maybe they said something about it uh it says due to hardware limitations the snes version could only display two or three enemies on screen in contrast to the cps arcade version which could display up to nine or ten enemies on screen to make up for this difference, the SNES version features more stopping points than the arcade version, and the enemy placement is vastly different. Uh, still doesn't say anything why it was... Um, they still could have made it two-player, just you know, cut the amount of enemies, but just make them stronger. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, I think it would have been a better experience, you know, and, and I've never played this game, so I can't speak from a personal standpoint but just from the look of it 
it looks like it would be more fun with another person. Yeah. And they did release another version. I forgot about this. Um, a revision edition of the SNES port title titled Final Fight Guy was released in Japan in 1992. This version replaced Cody with Guy as a selectable character with a new opening and ending sequence explaining Cody's absence. Included, included four difficulty settings and added other new features such as two new power-ups, although the industrial area stage and the two-player mode were still omitted. Yeah, the, the version that I watched was actually when Cody was replaced. The reasoning was he was in Japan. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, but uh, that's that is interesting. But uh, as far as the plot of the game, it's kind of fun to go back and you read like the uh, the beginning intro of the game and it says sometime in the 1990s. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah, and it says the game is set in a fictional city in the United States named Metro City. Uh, in 1990 or 1989, in the Japanese version, the city's crime rate reached alarming levels, but since the election of pro-wrestler-turned-politician Mike Hager as the new mayor, Metro City was changed and cleaned up drastically. Under his run, Hager managed to suppress the crime rate of the city to its lowest points. While the citizens of Metro City were thankful for Hager's hard work in curbing crime, one, game, the, one gang, the Mad Gear Gang, would not go down so easily. Under the leadership of the crooked businessman Belger, the group attempted to bribe Hager with a large payoff to keep him from going after them, but he refused. The Mad Gear responded by abducting his daughter Jessica and creating further unrest among the citizens of the city. When he found out, he became furious and decided to take his fight against Mad Gear to a personal level. Seeking additional manpower, Hagar recruits Cody Travers, an expert fighter and Jessica's boyfriend. Uh, together, they dedicate themselves to the complete eradication of the Mad Gear gang as well as the safe rescue of Jessica from their clutches. Of course, it's a rescue the princess type of uh storyline from that oh, it has you know, to be that day of uh, those days of gaming it has to be but as far as the controls of the game too like i said each character uh cody and hager they both kind of have their their own different set of skills uh like i said cody's faster and more more of a boxer type with uh with some you know, he's got some kicking moves that are really good for taking care of a lot of enemies on screen at once. Like he does this spinning kick. And then you have Hager, who's a lot slower, but he packs a punch and his moves are much slower. But man, he really uh, <laughs> takes a lot to bring him down. And, um, you know, the the controls of this game are really what make it so good because, you know, it, if you're used to playing games like, uh, you know, like Street Fighter and, and those kind of fighting games, you're going to be able to go to Final Fight very easily because, it, you know, it is made by Capcom. So a lot of the, you know, the, the controls are still the same. And um, yeah, so and, and it's very smooth. Uh, the hit detection with all the the, you know, the the bad guys or enemies are is very good, but. There are times when you're trying to hit someone, but you're not on the same kind of uh, plane as they are, so you miss them. But they can still grab you, which is weird, or they mm -hmm. they can hit you. Um, but other than that, I mean, the hit detection's really good. Um, 
just it just feels good to play like you can get move close to a character and grab them and throw them into other characters and you can get other you can get i say there's no power-ups but there's things in the game that you can get to help you hit harder as um, you can get like pipes uh samurai swords uh knives things of that nature to kind of help you along your journey yeah no, but when I was watching the the Let's Play of it, it looks like a fun game. It just looks like a straight up, you know, side scroller beat 'em up type game, which I enjoy. So yeah, and that, that, I, I'd I'd love to check this out at some point. Yeah, and that's all it is. That's all it ever needs to be. You know, there's it's pretty paint by numbers. <laughs> if, you know, if you get one of my meaning as far as like a side scrolling beat 'em up, you know, there's nothing really special about it other than the fact that. You know, the characters are really large on the screen. It feels good to hit something like when you're punching or kicking because you kind of almost there's no, you know, like nowadays you've got rumble in the controls. But when you hit something or someone, it for some reason, it just feels solid, you know, when you hit somebody on screen or throw something at them. It just feels good. There's no there's not really much in the way of slowdown in the game. Uh, like there is when you go back and you play games like Double Dragon or uh, let's see what there's other games that I've played on the Super Nintendo where there's a lot of enemies on screen at once and the, and the screen starts to slow down. You don't really get that in, in this game. Yeah. And uh, also, so- uh, speaking of this game, I, I, I got Batman Returns on Super Nintendo as well. I think you were with me the day that I picked that up. And mm-hmm. I think that that game runs on the same engine as Final Fight because it's got that game feels a lot like Final Fight. Like there's a lot of um, just the the heads up display at the top, uh, how big the characters are, like the the shading, the world. It just it all feels really really close to one another. So if you've ever played Batman Returns, it's very much like Final Fight. Nice. But uh, what would you give this on a scale of one to ten? Uh, because I'm so nostalgic for it, I'm I probably give it a higher grade than what I normally would if I had never played this game. Because I just I don't know if I would like this game as much if I didn't have such a nostalgia connected to it. Because it is like a really simple game. I mean, there's not a lot different about it from other beat-em-ups but i you know i like the music i like how big the characters are i like the enemies um you know i just i love playing this game so i would give this game an eight out of ten wow that's pretty high praise but like i said it's the first one of the first games i ever had for the super nintendo so i played this game a lot when i was a kid i still play it a lot to this day I definitely have to check it out then. It's it's definitely worth it. And, you know, it's you could do worse. Yeah, it is it looks fun. It looks yeah, fun. It, it's a Capcom game. <clears throat> you know, and back in the day, Capcom had a really good track record, especially with games like this. Um because like I said, it, if you like Street Fighter and you like the look of that game and you like the way that game plays, it I mean, it, that's Final Fight, you know, except it's not a one-on-one fighting game. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up. 
So, and it's set in the same world. So if you like Street Fighter, you're, you'll love Final Fight. Yeah, I'll definitely be on the lookout for it next time out at I'm out at retro gaming stores. Yeah, you'll definitely, it's definitely worth the purchase. And um, I don't think it's as, um, I really don't think that it's a, a very rare game. Let me actually look up, uh, just out of curiosity, I'm going to look on eBay and see what the going rate for Final Fight Super Nintendo. I'll see if they have it at the store that I normally go to. Uh, well, you can get one right now, uh, just the cartridge itself. Um Let's see. Uh, nope. One for sixteen ninety seven. Uh, the very first one that pops up for me. Uh, there's no buy it now, but there's two bids on it for eight dollars and fifty cents. Oh, okay. But uh, but it looks like yeah, you, you can pick one up right now. There's one actually with a man. Oh, with a box and manual complete. Uh, complete inbox for buy it now for twenty nine ninety nine. Wow. So, yeah, you can pick up this game for relatively cheap. It's not a rare game, but definitely worth a pickup. Yeah, I'll I'll be on the lookout for it, for sure. But, that, but that's going to about do it for this week. And I do want to uh, give a huge thank you to Halam Akbar for the four-star review on iTunes. Thank you very Absolutely. much. And thank um, you. Uh, for those of you listening out there, Please go to wherever you listen to our show at, whether it's on uh, Overwatch or Downcast or Stitcher, iTunes. Please just take 10 seconds out of your day. Go give us a review. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a five page thesis. Just go on there. Give us a, a, a starred review and just write. I love this show. Or, you know, if you feel like writing a couple of sentences or a paragraph, please do so. But just take a couple of minutes it helps us out gets us in front of more people uh gets us up in the rankings and uh we will give you a shout out on the show if you do absolutely so derek is there anything else you want to talk about before we leave tonight um i don't believe so just uh also be sure to check out the derek diamond experience podcast uh now available every thursday on all podcasting platforms uh this past week i put out a christopher nolan roundtable episode so if you like Christopher Nolan movies, definitely go check it out. Absolutely. And go check out uh, the latest episode of Pop Culture Palette. Um, let's see. what did, We talked about uh, Wally and I actually being on uh, the Mississippi River Sharks mm -hmm. um, on Sci-Fi this last week. And we talked about our Monsters Anonymous Q&A in Pensacola. And then Stephanie talked about a game she's been playing on Twitch called Hollow Knight which looks uh, very interesting to me. Um, so go check that out over at, uh, just go on Twitter at PCP show, or you can go over to PCPradio.com and check that out. So other than that, let's go ahead and turn on our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can, we can go to our website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter uh, at nerdcaveretro at on Twitter, we are at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.
You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.